0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we are going to talk about five financial resolutions if you're over the age of fifty. Uh. There's that R word. (laughs) Resolutions. With me today, I have Amy McFarlane. Welcome, Amy. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. You know, we um, always talk about the shows as we're putting them together, and we've been laughing about the resolutions because (laughs) we're pretty clear that people make resolutions in two main areas. Two categories. Weight. Yes, and money. Yeah. Right? Right. So we decided they're the two F's. People mm-hmm. are worried about finances and fat. <laughs> one's too fat and one's too skinny, and they're never the and ones they- that you want. <laughs> Your bank account's too skinny. There you go. Oh, that's good. So our resolutions for you are ones oh. that are going to help with the financial side, okay. I'm not touching the other one. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right, so five financial resolutions if you're over the age of 50. So the first thing that I want to say is that resolutions are obviously not easy to keep, Um, and there's a lot of people that hate making New Year's resolutions, but there's also people that use them as an opportunity to kind of set some goals for the year and then make their way through them to accomplish something. So there's five things that I think would be great for everybody to do and – Plan to get started on them right away in the upcoming new year. Sure. The first one is to update your legal documents. Okay. Now, I say update because I'm assuming you have some. (laughs) But if you don't, then I mean get some done. (laughs) But if you have some already, then chances are they might be out of date. Okay. Okay. So frequently when I'm doing planning with people, we run into the fact that documents that were created maybe more than, let's say, 10, 15 years ago, they still work because they're a legal document, but they don't necessarily have provisions in them that are updated for your life today. All right. So let me give you an example of what I mean. Just yesterday, I was visiting with a client and they had a will done back in 2001. And since then, both of their children have had children. Oh. But in their will, there's no mention of what would happen if money went to grandchildren. Okay. Okay. So nobody likes to think about these things. This right. is super unfun. Yeah. <laughs> not even is. a word. <laughs> unfun. <laughs> <laughs> this is not fun at all. <laughs> And so, you know, thinking about our own demise is a horrible thing to think about. That's why a lot of people procrastinate about getting legal documents done, right? right? Even though there's only one way out of here. That that (laughs) is true. (laughs) I never really thought about it like that. You will. But if instead of thinking about it from a morbid standpoint, if you started thinking about it from a standpoint of love Mm -hmm. and about how, hey, if something happens to me, I love my children, I love my grandchildren, I want to set things up for them in the best possible way. I'm 100% sure that most of you out there love your grandchildren (laughs) more than the IRS. (laughs) And if you don't, I don't even know what to do about that. (laughs) But the way to help put that into motion is to make sure you have your legal documents updated. And the main documents that everybody should be having is that you need a will, Mm-hmm. And the will is going to tell people what happens to your stuff. Yeah. Okay? okay. You need a financial power of attorney. Those are designed to be something that says if you lose your mental capacity, mm-hmm. that somebody else can help you make financial decisions. Mm-hmm. And the last one is a healthcare power of attorney. That's broader than just a living will, but it says, hey, pull the plug or don't pull the plug. Yeah. And it says, here's who I want to make my medical decisions for me if I can't make them myself. Okay. All right. So those are the three pack of documents. Now, one thing that I um, was recently reading is that sometimes the financial power of attorneys are being written that say that they're effective now, even if somebody um, is fully competent. OK. And my recommendation is if you're on the lower side of under 50, that okay. you're writing these documents to say that these take effect if I become incompetent or can't handle things, they don't take effect immediately now. I mean, if you still are able to handle your own affairs, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to just give blanket approval to someone else to handle them, even if you don't even know yes, about it. Yes, correct. Right. So be careful about the way that that's written. Talk okay. to your attorney about that. They should have the final say on how things are written, obviously. Mm-hmm. But those are some things that we've noticed about documents that we've seen that sometimes are a little bit of a landmine. Right. I can understand that. So, resolution number one, <laughs> update your legal documents. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fun, unfun. <laughs> you could make it fun, maybe. Well, you could. Maybe not everything and it is fun. on how you reframe it. Right, you know, right, If you right. think about, like I said, doing it from a standpoint of love versus mm-hmm. a standpoint of, oh my gosh, I'm going to die, then that's going to totally change the experience yes, for you. Yes, and just feeling in control is nice. Absolutely. <laughs> so, okay. Resolution number two. Review your portfolio allocation. All right. So a lot of people have set up money in their portfolios in a way that makes sense. And then they have not looked at them again for years. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have many accounts scattered around. Mm -hmm. So you might have three or four old 401ks from jobs you're no longer at. Your brother-in-law maybe used to be a financial advisor, but he's not there anymore. (laughs) So you got an an account over there. I mean, usually when people come to me, they have a handful or two of different accounts. Sure. Now, all of those made sense at the time, Mm -hmm. but they don't really necessarily make sense anymore. And collectively together, they probably don't really cohesively make sense at all. Mm -hmm. So when I say to review your allocation, I mean, look at your accounts Look to see if they actually are marrying up with your level of risk you're comfortable taking now. These are resolutions for people who are over 50. If you haven't done this for 10 years, your risk level comfortable taking when you're 40 is probably different than when you're 50. And I'm sure you have clients who visited with that At some point, these statements were coming and they just didn't open them. Didn't oh, yeah. Pay attention. <laughs> a lot of people throw unopened statements right in a drawer or out. <laughs> they just shred them. (laughs) Some people open them and look at them, but most people don't actually do anything with them. Um, Now, when you do your allocation, you're looking at, does it match your risk? You also want to look at if you have multiple accounts, do you have something called overlap? Meaning is account number one invested in the exact same thing as account number two? Mm. You might even not realize that it is. And then you're really not diversified. It might look like you're diversified because you oh. have multiple accounts, but if they're overlapping and you're in a lot of the same stuff, your diversification level is actually really low. Right. And you're if your diversification level is low, yes, you're yeah. writing your risk goes up. Mm-hmm. So reviewing your allocation is incredibly important, and that's why we make this resolution number two. Mm -hmm. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, then you probably already know how to do this. And if you're not a do-it-yourselfer, this is a perfect time to schedule a meeting with a financial advisor to help you review things, especially someone who can help you look at it collectively, like in that overall viewpoint. And with the market the way it is right now, there's lots of speculation. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) exactly. So now one thing I want to mention is that, you know, as you're reviewing your allocation, when you're thinking about things, it probably is going to trigger you to start thinking about retirement. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so especially if you're over 50, starting to get educated about um, your retirement planning and what you need to do ahead of time to get set up for the most effective retirement is a good idea. Now, I didn't make this part of my resolutions, but maybe this should be resolution (laughs) 2.1. You should attend our seminar coming up. (laughs) (laughs) January 11th, we have a retirement readiness seminar coming up. It's going to talk about all the different topics of uh, what you need to do to prepare for an effective retirement, what you need to know about Social Security and Medicare and portfolio allocation and all of the ducks you really need to line up in a row. Yes, to know that you're headed towards the retirement that you want to have. Yes, and where you're at is where you're at. It's where you're going. (laughs) It is. Yes, it's not about judgment. It's not about I should be where somewhere different. It's about here's a set of information that's going to be really important for you to understand. So come learn it. Yes. All right. You can register at StirkFinancialServices.com or you can call Amy. Yes, call me (laughs) and I'll save you a seat. There you go. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Sturk. and today we're talking about five financial resolutions if you're over the age of 50. Yes. So the first one was update your legal documents. The second resolution was review your allocation. And the third resolution that I think is extremely important is to double check your beneficiary listings. Okay. So what happens sometimes is that as life changes, so does your family dynamic, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes the beneficiary you have listed on an account should change, Mm -hmm. or maybe your beneficiary is no longer living, and now that's no longer valid. Mm -hmm. But there's lots of reasons along the way to change your beneficiaries. Okay, so let's talk about beneficiaries for just a minute. There's a couple different kinds, You have something called a primary beneficiary, and there's something called a contingent beneficiary. Now, your primary beneficiary is who you want to get the account if you pass away. Okay. So, Amy, you're married. Yes. So, I would assume that most of the time you (laughs) are thinking you want money to go to your husband. (laughs) Right. There probably are days. But I have been married prior, so Mm -hmm. I've thought of that and... I, I we're good, there you go, but we did I did check just, yeah, you want to check on yeah. that. And so the primary beneficiaries who gets money if you pass away, the contingent beneficiaries don't get any money unless you and all of the primary beneficiaries listed have also died. Oh, okay? okay, so we ran into a situation recently where we saw that a <clears throat> person who came to us for planning. They had listed beneficiaries on an account where they had two children Mm -hmm. and they had listed their two children as 50-50. So child one is 50%, child two is 50%. And then their contingent beneficiaries, they had listed four grandchildren. Okay. All right. Well, two of the grandchildren were from child one and two of the grandchildren were from child two. And they passed away in a, or they, the situation was there was a common accident and the accident ended up killing the account owner and one of the children. Oh. Okay, so it ended up killing child two. Well, what happened is the way their beneficiaries were listed is that because child one and child two were 50-50, then if the one of the primary beneficiaries is gone, then it goes all to the other primary beneficiary. Uh-huh. So they figured that their child's children, their grandchildren would get that share, but they didn't because there was one primary beneficiary who was still alive. Okay. So they effectively disinherited their grandchildren on their deceased child's side without even realizing that's what was going to happen. Oh my gosh. So <clears throat> you could use a designation that's called stirpes if you want to. It's a commonly used thing in beneficiaries designations. And if you say Child one per stirpes and child two per stirpes as your primary beneficiary, then that means them or their heirs get their share. Uh-huh. But if you don't have the per stirpes on there, then whoever is the primary beneficiary is just splits a bigger pot. Okay. Okay. All right. So be careful with those beneficiary designations. Another thing that we've seen happen is that people forget to change the beneficiary from ex-wife to current wife. Mm. And let me tell you, that does not go over well. (laughs) When you go through a divorce, it's not something that's necessarily top of mind to go back in and change your beneficiary designations after the fact. Now, a lot of 401k plans and things like that won't allow you to change them until you are completely divorced and it's finalized. Mm -hmm. But once it is, that should be one of the steps that people take. Right. And then the last thing is that if you've lost a spouse or a loved one and they're no longer living, but they were listed as your beneficiary, then it's not valid anymore. And so it either will go to a contingent or it'll go to your state if you don't have a contingent oh. listed. So use this as your time to take a look at every single account that you have and make sure you have a beneficiary listed on it. Okay. Now you might think that if you have a will, that that will take care of everything. hmm And the truth is that it does, but if you have a will, then everything has to pass through probate before it actually can be distributed. If you have the beneficiary listed, then it will just go directly to the beneficiary and should avoid probate. And what also people don't understand is that the beneficiary designation, it trumps the will. Oh. So your will can say one thing, and it doesn't matter because if the beneficiary is listed one way at the company, it's the way it's (laughs) going to roll. So... Resolution number three, (laughs) update your beneficiaries. Double check what they are. All right. Number four, do a retirement forecast. Okay. So when you are over 50, then you are at that age where it's about time to start doing retirement planning. And the only real way to know whether or not you're setting yourself up for the retirement that you want to have Is to do some kind of retirement forecast to see if you're on track. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And a retirement forecast is going to tell you things like, how much money am I going to be able to spend each year in retirement? Am I going to run out of money (laughs) in retirement? That's probably the biggest fear that people have, right? I'm going to spend too much. I'm going to run out, you know, things like that. Will I have enough to retire? What age should I retire at? What age can I retire at? There's so many variables. There really is. Mm -hmm. But that's what a forecast does is it helps you answer all of those questions uh, and understand kind of the path you're going down if you change nothing. And if that doesn't really look like what you want it to look like, it gives you suggestions on what to adjust in order to get to more of the path that you want to be on. Okay. So retirement forecasts for advisors usually cost some money for someone to do. Usually a retirement forecast is going to cost anywhere between $500 to $2,500. It totally depends on how complex your situation is, how many moving pieces are in your plan. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You know, if you're a business owner and you got to sell a business or if you have multiple pieces of real estate that you have to decide to sell or continue to rent or things like that, your plan gets more complex. Oh, sure. It's less complex if you just have a few financial accounts and you got to figure those things out. But doing a retirement forecast is a really smart idea for people to do once they hit that over 50 age. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it would just I would imagine you'll feel like you have your plan. Mhm and just sit and at back least you know. enjoy the ride. <laughs> yep. It's the lack of knowing, the lack of having any concrete idea of what might happen going forward that puts people into a panic. Sure. So one special thing that we're going to do today as a New Year's gift to our listeners is I'm going to give away 5 copies of my book. Oh, and if you'd yes. like to call our offices or yes. email us, the first 5 right. requests that we get will send you a copy of my book called Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger. With the question mark There you go. Are you ready? ready? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to know if you do a retirement forecast. But if you're a do-it-yourselfer, this book is a great way for you to understand all the moving pieces of retirement and to make sure you get some of those things into play. And if you are not a do-it-yourselfer, it's going to give you an overview of what you need to know that you're going to want to make sure you talk to somebody about. Mm -hmm. It also includes tips on Interviewing an advisor to figure out if they're a right advisor to fit with you. Oh, okay. So, That's right. I forgot about it. <laughs> something to keep in mind. So yes, call our offices. Yes. We're giving away five free copies. All right, that was number four. And the last resolution that I want to talk about is this: align your money with the life that you want to lead. Okay. Aligning your money with the life that you want to lead means this. My absolute belief in my money philosophy is that money buys you choices Mm -hmm. the more money you have the more choices you have available the less money you have the more limited your choices are of what you can do with it Mm -hmm. but the reality is that everybody has things in their life that they value and aligning your money with what's most important to you helps create the ideal life that you want to lead And what do I mean by that? Yes, please (laughs) elaborate, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we were working with a client and some of the things that she really valued in life were being connected, were being generous and being creative. Okay. So um, being connected meant that she wanted to make sure she felt connected to her husband during retirement. They were going to retire around the same time. Mm-hmm. Now we realized they had really different viewpoints of what day to day retirement was going to be like. Okay. When he mentioned that he thought since they both were going to be home now, she probably would make him lunch every day. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine how that went over. <laughs> that was not in her plan. <laughs> oh, were my parents there? <laughs> Anyway, she also wanted to feel connected to her grandchildren, and so uh, we aligned money in their retirement budget with travel costs, uh, flights and hotels and things like that, to be able to go visit her grandchildren twice a year. That was really important. So in the first 10 years of their retirement, they wanted to do it twice a year. Then they figured they'd slow down, so maybe once a year for a while, and after a while they figured the grandchildren will come to see them. But that's how you align your money with the life that you want to lead. She felt that it was important to be generous, so we aligned giving in there, both of time and money, um, to some causes that she felt resonated with her. And then we also, on the creative side, aligned money with making sure she had funds available to spend on her artistic pursuits. Mm -hmm. So that's how you align your money with the life you want to lead. All right, so the resolutions for if you're turning over 50, number one, update your legal documents, number two, review your allocation, number three, double check your beneficiary listings, number four, do a retirement forecast, and number five, align your money with the life that you want to lead. Good luck with your New Year's resolutions, and from everybody at Stirk Financial, we wish you the happiest of New Year's.